0: To another episode of Pack and Heat. Maybe our last one for a minute as um college football season's essentially wrapped up. The regular season's wrapped up and we're headed into the bowl season. Um and so we're gonna do a full bowl rundown for you. And then Brooks, I don't know. I don't know when we'll do another one of these. We might we might need a little bit of a break and and wait for some of the bowls to happen,
1: huh? Yeah, that's kinda of disheartening hearing you say that just now. Uh it's been went by fast you know the season uh we, we started this idea by you know t- exchanging text messages over the summer and then uh, a week of football happened and it was like crap we should probably do this thing huh and then uh 13 14 episodes later we uh here we are so if you've made it this far as a fan thank you and uh, we appreciate your patronage and eardrums but yeah we're gonna run down this one with some bull talk maybe get a couple uh I don't know, we keep saying we're gonna try to do a live episode. Maybe it'll actually work out. We can watch a bowl game or something like that, have some fun. I think um, I think
0: we'll be able to, as we get closer to the holidays and uh and you come down to Newport and then yeah. also for my other podcast, I wanna do I wanna do a full the Alex Crawford show, by the way. Shameless plug. But I wanna <laughs> do a full rundown of every bowl game with predictions. Um but Scotty Figueroa, who I do the podcast with, is not even a fringe college football fan. He self admittedly doesn't like college football. So I don't want to just do that by myself. I really want you to do it with me.
1: Okay. Well, we, we, we can uh, – we'll work on that. That would be really fun just to go over all the bowls because there are 39 bowls. <laughs> and which, so uh, There's so many irrelevant ones, but I feel like if we discussed
0: them, it would give me more of a reason to watch.
1: Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's always fun to get in like an office bowl pool or something with your buddies just to, you know – need well, that. Well, the bowls are more or less – Non-consequential for you know, like on, on paper, but there there is a lot writing on this. You know, coaches get bowl bonuses, assistants and grad assistants get bowl bonuses, and it's good for recruiting and optics. And a lot of these teams, it's literally their only chance to play on national television totally year and potentially for the next three or four years. So uh, some of these fan bases tend to travel well, no matter where they're going to, and uh you know they do pick the bowls in places that they think people will go to. So, um, yeah, it's always interesting to see. And you get somewhat non-traditional matchups from uh, conferences and some of the non-Power 5s getting a chance to test their medal against a Power 5 team. And, uh, you know, that always creates a little bit of controversy and uh, stirs the pot. So it keeps the discussion going into the off season, and, of course, ramping up to the playoff. But, uh, you know, it's I, I'm a big fan of bowl season. It's certainly a time that the holidays are here and uh, a lot of good memories from bowl season. So it's I'm oh, hoping yeah. to... Hoping to get some some of those same feelings back this year and uh if the it's juice a, is flowing. It's on a this holiday
0: feeling. It's a holiday feeling for sure. Yeah. Um, and just I think for Brooks, for us, like, because we've been beating the Pac-Twelve drum so hard on our podcast all year and the conference just keeps letting us down. Oh, um, the bowl games, as you said, optics, like this is the chance for so many of these teams to hopefully make the Pac-12 look good on the national stage, and so that that's why that's why the bowl season. Even if a bowl's like the Hyundai Sun Bowl is really inconsequential in the big picture of things, Stanford against Pitt. But if the Cardinal lose that game, it's like oh god, like that was a that was a strong team in the Pac-12. You know
1: that that makes us look really bad. Exactly, especially after last year's debacle where the conference went what one and seven, I think in the bowl yes. one and eight, just. Absolutely embarrassment, and like you just said, we've been pounding the Pac twelve drum all season. Like we're a good conference. It's like notice me. Like there are dozens of us, you know. So uh, exactly. kind of hope that this is the year that you know maybe maybe some of the pieces fall into place. But we can get into that a little bit because uh, a little bit later. But I think there's a little bit more, some bigger, some Pac twelve stuff we want to get into before we start talking bowls. Well, yeah, the first thing I wanted to talk about was the Pac twelve
0: um, conference championship game. On Friday at 5 p.m. in Santa Clara, which in rush hour can take like 90 minutes to get to from the city of San Francisco, um, which was the least watched—I have the numbers here—was the least watched of the major five um, conference championship games, and which was a dismal 10 to three final score. The Washington Huskies beat the Utes.
1: Yeah, that was the most uh, SEC, I guess uh score yeah. that we'd ever see I think we were talking I think I we, again t- going back to how bad our predictions have been and our gambling we that over was what 40 something and yeah. uh, we, I said I was going to be over by a tiny tiny bit but wow Should I was not expecting I was not expecting less than half of the over under uh with the total being 13 points 10 to 3 it was just a weird game I Every time that I looked up, like, I was casually watching it. I got home from work at, like, 530 and and turned it on. And just casually watching it, it just seemed like a very uh, – like, every time I looked up, the other team had the ball. And then it seemed like every time I also looked up, they're going for it on, like, a – there's, like, a big third or fourth down conversion that they mostly failed. Um, looking at the stats, yeah, uh, Washington, two for four on fourth downs. Uh, Utah, zero for one. And then Utah four for 12 on third down. So it just, yeah. I don't know. It's just a sloppy, sloppy game. Um, it wasn't good football. Like it wasn't, it was not.
0: you know, like we had earlier this year, that Monday night football game between the Rams and the Chiefs. And you had you had this, the, the lamest crowd of sports fan, but the people that are saying, you know, that, that I miss the, I miss defensive football. I miss like a 10, three game, but like, this wasn't even that. This was just like sloppy football. Like it wasn't. It wasn't fun to watch, and it was it was once again made the conference look bad.
1: Ooh, uh, yeah. Sorry, just just got an interesting text, but we're gonna hit on that next. Um, okay, okay. Based off our runner, but yeah, very disappointing. Just sloppy play. Um, the only touchdown scored was that ridiculous pick six. That was a deflection oh, yeah. for um, Byron Murphy off the uh, receipt off the Utah receivers' like leg, which was a great play. But uh, you know. Really not a whole lot going for the team, uh, total yards wise. Let's see, total yards, 188 for Utah, 306 for uh Washington. Uh, just not a lot of momentum and kind of was a you know, a nice bow on an otherwise, you know, exciting for you and me Pac twelve season, but on the grand scheme of things, just kind of the Pac twelve conference ended the regular season just like kind of flat on its face and well I don't yeah. know, it's kind of symbolic. <laughs>
0: No, seriously, it is, and the and the public perception of the conference is so bad, even among Pac-12 fans. Like we had Dusty Hera from 10A to the fan mm-hmm. on our last episode. I spent some time with Alex Rios, who we had on our previous episode, and they're both like, "Man, the Pac-12 sucks." And I and I don't agree with that. Like I don't think the conference sucks, but I think its perception has gotten so bad, and its lack of a dominant team. Like like the ACC sucks, but they have Clemson, you know. Right. So for me, the Pac-12 doesn't suck, but they don't have a dominant team, and their public perception has gotten so bad. I mean, the loudest cheers in the stadium uh, at Levi's Stadium on Friday were when people were booing Larry Scott Mm -hmm. during the trophy presentation ceremony. Mm -hmm. Like, he has to go. Larry Scott has to go. And I got the numbers here for the conference championship weekend games. Alabama and Georgia drew 17.5 million eyeballs. UW and Utah drew four point oh six. Barely above UCF Memphis. And that's just Friday. I mean, just the Friday night thing in and of itself. No one's going to the game because it's hard to get to. And then you put a product like that out. It's just, I mean, what are you going to change, right? Like, these teams are all obviously trying to win. Like, Oregon State hired Jonathan Smith. University of Arizona hired Kevin Sumlin. Like, the down teams in the conference are making moves. Mm -hmm. So what can the conference do? They, they got to replace Larry Scott, man. I mean, you know, you agree with me. We we beat that drum, but it just became so, so apparent on Friday.
1: Yeah, it's just, it just the – you reach a point where it's just like, I don't know, it's unfortunate that it was a bad game. Like, that game could have easily have been like, you know, a mid-20s, like super gritty t- game that we've seen both of these teams. Like, Utah clawed back against BYU. Washington had some great games this season. So it's just unfortunate that that's the game that both of these teams decided to play at the incident, but the fact that, you know, like you just said, like, hell, I watched the sec. I was flipping back and forth between the sec championship game and the American athletic conference championship game, both of those games are out of control, you know? Yeah. Georgia was up and then UCF undefeated down 24, seven, I think at one point, then they came rampaging back to win by two touchdowns. It's just, uh, it's just unfortunate. And yeah, I, you know, we have been beating the Larry drum Scott all season and, you know, looking at the, uh, the Pac-12 conference schedule for 2019 came out uh, yesterday afternoon. I'm just looking at these <laughs> schedules, these teams have to play. I think Arizona State. I think I saw they're playing four non-Saturday games. Dude, yeah. Like that's 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 inexcusable. I don't think any other conference. I don't think I think any. I don't think any other team plays probably play even more than three.
0: No, I know a fan of the show. Jeff Asheris tweeted at us. Yeah, ASU plays four non-Saturday games. USC plays two Friday games. Wazoo plays two Friday games. And UW plays two Friday games. I mean, those are supposed to be the top teams in the conference. And and you're putting, you know, Friday games are always weird. They they don't get as many eyeballs on them, and they always seem to end in a weird way. So, like, wh- we need to minimize that risk as a conference. They shouldn't be playing two Friday games each. ASU, Utah, UCLA all play on a Thursday. It's just, it's like, it's like the conference is is scheduling-wise,
1: positioning itself as a second-tier conference when they play games like it, this. It's baffling for you with a team like USC getting two Friday games. USC, I, I, I wish I had a number top in front of me, but USC was on national television probably like five or six times this year on Saturdays between uh, Texas game. I know the Colorado game that you worked, uh, that was on mm-hmm. national TV. I know the Washington State game, that was a Friday game, but, um, so that doesn't count, but USC played – several several games on national tv this year and they sucked yeah so what you know clearly the optics are there they're gonna get the demand they're gonna get the draw people are gonna want to watch that team because it's such a big name brand totally but still it doesn't excuse i don't know i I don't know if they tear it like well the eighth place team will always play uh two friday games or however they do it like I, i i think that would suck if that is how they do it it just i don't know and then larry scott had that comment the other day uh it's a the Pac 12 is a media company, not a conference.
0: Well, it's a yeah. shitty media company. <laughs> it's like, it's a really bad one. Uverse ATT Uverse just dropped them. Like, yeah, who even has ATT Uverse? I don't even know who does, but whatever percentage that is, there's now even less eyeballs just- on the sport. Um, and uh, John Canzano of the Oregonian wrote a really good four part, mm. uh, peak on the state of the PAC 12. And I'm not even a big John Consano fan, but he really skewered Larry Scott and had a lot of statistics to show. Just like
1: no one is watching PAC 12 football. Yeah. And, uh, I think yeah. it will be interesting kind of tying back to what we just opened this podcast with, um, just about the bowls and seeing, you know, what, what kind of eyeballs and how the conference looks. Cause it's, uh, certainly trending in the wrong direction right now.
0: Totally. Totally. And, uh, Yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, and looking at the schedule, like I was excited when a lot, when the schedules came out yesterday, um, you know, my own, my own alma mater, Oregon state, like they have two Friday games. They deserve two Friday games. Mm -hmm. They're the worst team in the conference. Like give them two Friday games. Um, and they play, uh, they open up their season in Corvallis hosting the other orange and black OSU, Oklahoma state on a Friday on August 30th. Like that's perfect. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's like that game will get eyeballs, um, because it's an opening game of the season and, you know, it's like a national game and the beefs will obviously be probably double digit underdogs, uh, but that's going to be awesome. I'm excited for that. Like things like that are, are positive, but USC uh, shouldn't be playing two Friday night games or win or lose. They're still the biggest brand in the conference and they're always going to be, I know they. this was the first time I think this was their worst finish in the new millennium, you know? So like, I don't think they're going to get worse next year. And we can go ahead and transition right now, if you want and talk about the Cliff Kingsbury hire, because I think that's a big deal. I think that's a really big deal.
1: Yeah. So it was funny. I, that little outburst I had a couple minutes ago. Um, so my thing, so this, this news started circulating about Cliff last week. Uh, nothing was ever made official. And then yesterday, uh, which was Tuesday, Uh, you know once again even Bruce Feldman and other sources are saying out no it's still official but the school still hasn't said anything nothing official from the school but again listener Jeff Acherich just texted me a screenshot of Cliff's Twitter and his Twitter bio is now USC Trojans slash hashtag fight on with the two fingers so uh, I guess that's more or less official but again still nothing from the university itself which is hilarious to me because you know if they want to Make this marquee hire official, like you know, get start getting recruits on. Like every second counts as we're getting close to early uh, an early signing day deadline here. I think, and uh, you know, for a lot of these guys, for a lot of these recruits, it's like, well, what's going to happen? And just wasting valuable seconds, it seems.
0: I mean, yeah, this weekend, this was a valuable recruiting weekend. So, um, like, I was with our friend, former USC director of recruiting, Alex Rios, and he was getting texts and phone calls from you know, SC fans that were asking him, uh, you know, why haven't they signed Cliff yet? This is a recruiting weekend. He's like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They gotta, you Mm -hmm. know, they gotta make it official. Mm -hmm. Um and so yeah, but I but I just beyond that, the fact that Kingsbury is now within the Trojan coaching staff, I think is um well Kyle Bonagurov, ESPN who runs the Pac blog for ESPN wrote an article calling it the biggest move of Clay Helton's career. And I agree. And I think it's a really, really good move to me. It has like Sean McVay vibes of injecting. We see what young coaching talent can do, particularly in the city of Los Angeles. And I think it's perfect. And if it, if it goes well, I don't think it's going to boost the Trojans up to uh, uh, like, you know, um top of the conference status but I think it's going to give them I think it's going to do wonders for the
1: program absolutely and you know we we're I was kind of you know I've, I've kind of been on fire with some of my predictions lately we we recorded with Dusty and then about a half hour later all the coaching shakeups started happening at USC yeah right uh I was saying why not Cliff why not Cliff bring me Cliff and uh then that magic started to happen so I think he's a phenomenal fit you know he didn't succeed at Texas Tech because, at the end of the day, Texas Tech is not a big program. He ran his offense from 2013 to 2018 when he was head coach. Texas Tech finished 8th, 10th, 2nd, 1st, 16th, and 12th nationally in total yards per game. So oh, yeah, no, really, his offenses are always good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know, I don't follow Big 12 football super close, but it seems to me that either just – Poor coaching, maybe just some small clock management decisions, uh, personnel, defensive schemes, or something like that. I don't know. There are clearly some issues, but there's a difference between the talent available at a Texas Tech compared to the talent available and resources available at a USC. So I think Cliff is going to be in a very good position to succeed. Phenomenal fit, great hire. Uh, Bruce Feldman called it the biggest recruiting get for USC in years, which you know I think actually might be uh, – somewhat on the nose uh it's certain it's just a step in the right direction if this if SE wants to put so much faith in clay I said last week they need to stack the deck in his favor and this is the this is the biggest card that they could have played to show their faith so I'm a little bit more excited about USC football than I was this time last week but uh it's it's you know still a lot to be seen still a lot of other issues that need to work out but having a player that I think the coaches having a coach the players are gonna get excited about that's fun and creative and can uh you know with these weapons that usc has on the offensive side of the ball I think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be really fun
0: no totally and I just think like um, we, we saw USC's biggest problems this year was with the offense, whether it was T. Martin, whether it was Clay Helton running the offense. We saw against UCLA, uh, a team that struggled against the run. USC failed to run the ball, and they tried to win it on the arms of their true freshman quarterback, which failed. And so I think that this is the injection the offense needs. And like I said before, it just, it seemed like this team needed a sexy hire, right? Like, and not, I'm not just saying that because, Cliff Kingsbury is a sexy, good-looking man. I'm saying that straight up, just like, you know, like the Rams was going from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay. Mm -hmm. Sean McVay is obviously a football genius, but Kingsbury has shown that he is, you know, some coaches are, we've seen like, like a North Turner, a great and elite NFL offensive coordinator and a bad head coach. Like we've seen, there's a lot of coaches out there who are great coordinators and bad head coaches, and that could be Cliff Kingsbury, and that's fine. And if Clay Helton can kind of, uh, not to go all hermet Herm Edwards on you but can kind of CEO uh, this organization and allow Cliff to run the offense uh, and get someone in to run the defense. uh USC has the talent to pop
1: next year absolutely. Uh, yeah you're no, you're you're totally right. they have the talent and I think you're you're right. there are player uh, coaches that you know they're a phenomenal corner, a great defensive mind don't have the snuff don't not at the snuff at the head coach you know on, on both sides of the ball. And I think being able to recognize that so they can focus solely on, you know, I think you can see that in like a lot of different things. A great qualified person in one sector, but let them really focus on that sector. Don't make them take a step above, you know, let them do what they do best. And I think, like you said, sexy hired figuratively and literally, you know, people were (laughs) saying, oh, give me Jack Doe, give me Jeff Fisher. No, 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 there's nothing. like yeah. like the only thing sexy about Jeff Fisher would be the fact that he's like a literal joke on the internet. Like so, yeah, the no. Twitter the Twitter yeah. memes will be, would be pungent if that was the case. Like any other hire, it would not have been exciting. You know, you look at these other schools and who they're hiring. Oh, this uh, this offensive coordinator from Texas State is going to wherever. You know, he led the league, or you know, it just it's finding these guys, finding the right coaches that really can get a f- fan base going and, you know, all been super, super critical of the athletic department as of late, but this hire is something they should be able to be proud of and, uh, is a step certainly in the right direction.
0: Well, yeah, it seems like the best case scenario for SC 2 because they, they've decided that they weren't going to make a head coaching hire and like everyone in Trojan land is pissed. And this seems to put kind of a band aid on that because like, like you said, this is the best possible outcome mm-hmm. from this scenario, And so, I'm hoping, like you, as you know, as a Pac-12 fan, the conference is better
1: when SC is better. So I'm hoping that this translates into success for the Trojans. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for next year because looking at SC's schedule, like we just talked about, just came out. Their first six games are brutal. They host Fresno State, host Stanford, then they go on the road to BYU, then they yeah, host dude, Utah, a- and yeah. then they go to Washington. Oof. that's a really tough opening. I mean, and you know. props to SC for having such a solid out of conference. Oh, and then after Washington, they have a bye, and then they go on the road to face Notre Dame. So that's uh, certainly a front-loaded schedule for the Trojans next season. Uh, Very strong, very tough all the way through. But I'm excited for Cliff. I think it's going to be exciting to see what he can come up with and what he can use, because he has never really had the weapons that he had. Well, he did. He, He won Johnny Manziel, his Heisman, in 2012. He was the offensive coordinator at Texas tech back before then he was the offensive coordinator at Houston, where he with case Keenum under center pretty much rewrote the offensive record book for the NCAA with all kinds of uh, total team passing and offensive yards. Uh, so it's, I'm, I'm excited to see, I don't think top to bottom, he's ever had a team with this many weapons.
0: Exactly. Yeah. The talent level is, and that's why, that's why people were disappointed in Clay Helton is just because they're not delivering on the talent. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, should we, uh, should we jump ahead and, and, and get some bowl selection, bowl predictions going? Sure. I'm, I'm... I've got nothing else on the, I mean, the only other thing I wanted to say um, about the all pack 12 teams that were announced yesterday mm. uh, is shout out to the Utah Utes who you've been, you know, you've been great on your predictions <laughs> with, Mike McIntyre getting fired was saying the Utes were going to turn it on in the second half of the season. Um, Cliff Kingsbury to SC. I forget. There was even another one, I think, that you were right on. Um, but the Utes. Khalil, Khalil, seven, Tate. Khalil Tate transferring. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 17 Utes named to the All-Pac-12 football teams a school record nine on the first All-Pac-12 team. That's incredible. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at these lists right now. Well, for, noticeably absent, just kind of putting a bone, what we were just talked about, not a single USC Trojan was first or second, uh, first team. Uh, I believe not on second team either, but it's, uh, yeah, that's just a testament to what wasn't done this season, but no, yeah, the Utes, uh, great. You know, we, we've been, cham- I've been championing them Kyle Whittingham, maybe one of the best coaches in college football doing the most with the least and, uh, having so many studs on that first team, all pack 12 is, uh, Very impressive. Yeah, and I got to give a shout-out.
0: I I thought he should have been second-team all-offense. I get it. Jamar Jefferson, Oregon State running back, got freshman of the year, um, deservedly so. He finished third in the conference in rushing yards behind Eno Benjamin um, and uh, J.J. Taylor from Arizona, who were both uh, first-team. Then he he finished with more yards and more touchdowns than Miles Gaskin, but I get it. Gaskin's a senior; he's on the best team in the conference, so they're gonna go ahead and give him second team. But Jamar Jefferson from OSU taking on uh, the freshman uh, of the year honors offensively for the conference, which is like the only bright spot for Beaver football mm-hmm. this year. So I was I was happy to see that, and uh, yeah, and uh, that's like one of the few silver linings to look forward to in Corvallis. And you just one.
1: Want- one more note. Uh, Sorry, it's, <laughs> it's okay. Getting a phone call. Uh, so yeah, that was the first time since 2000 that USC didn't have any players on the first All Pac-12 team.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the only other team to not have players uh, on either was uh, Oregon State. So that you know that that just shows you
1: how the Trojans <laughs> fell. Yeah, not to no offense, no offense out, but that's you know that's that that's the standard, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Well, let's run through. Uh, let's run through this bowl bowl prediction. Starting things off, our first one for the conference is uh, a week from this Saturday, and so I know you and I, like I said earlier, we want to get together hopefully next week, and we can do a run through of um, every single bowl game and do a prediction. But a week from this Saturday, December fifteenth in Vegas, we have the twenty-first ranked Fresno State Bulldogs. Quarterbacked by former Oregon State quarterback Marcus McMarion, uh, taking on the Arizona State Sun Devils, will the thermometer be hot in Sin City?
1: I think so. Uh, the Las Vegas Bowl—I feel like Fresno State is almost always in the Las Vegas Bowl, like every other year. Um, yeah, I, I, do. I don't know <laughs> what. The, uh, I don't know like what the uh, bowl
0: agreements is, but it does feel like they're always in it.
1: Yeah, probably like second or third Mountain West team or something like that, but. Um, yeah, no Fresno State certainly one Fres- of the best power uh, non-power five teams this season. I mean they're they're ranked number twenty one in the country right now. where they finish ten and two? Um, very impressive in my mind. Um, former Cal head coach uh, Jeff Tedford, seem you know he ever since he got he left uh, he, he left Cal, you know, kind of been floating around, but seemingly finding his groove and really happy there uh, in in the Mountain West. Uh, so, so Fresno State actually won the Mountain West, um, beating Boise State in the championship game, and it's 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 impressive. You know, you these are the kind of games that's going to be fired up. Fresno State's to be fired up, like we were just talking about. Not a lot of respect on the national level. One of the few chances they get to play on uh, on national TV and uh, going against the team Arizona State that certainly has, I'd say, slightly overachieved this season. Particularly how we've been talking about how you know. The Herm Edwards hiring was somewhat comical, but at the end of the day, ASU finished second in the Pac-12 South, which is no small potatoes. No matter what we look at it, no matter even if it was a down year for the South, we were laughing at the Herm Edwards hire on yeah. our first podcast. We were laughing at it, mm-hmm. and the thermometer's
0: been warm or hot all season. We've had to eat big fat crow sandwiches, and I love it.
1: Yeah, and it, no, it, it's great. I think so. On, on the on the opposite side of the Fresno State coin is you know Arizona State. They they want to prove that they belong. And I think, you know, they don't get the shot to beat another Power 5 team, but I think they're going to be fired up to play Fresno State, um, particularly after, you know, they want some blood after San Diego State, another Mountain West team kind of dunked on them right after after they had that big win against Michigan State at home. So I think uh, they're going to be fired up. I, is there a spread yet for this game? Yeah, it's Fresno State four and a half point
0: favorites uh against the Sun Devils in in Las Vegas.
1: Four and a half? I because Arizona State's gonna be without Nikhil Harry. He, yeah. he declared for the draft and he's obviously their biggest weapon. Eno Benjamin, sure. Um Fresno State has a pretty stout run defense. So I th- I, I I think I think Fresno State's probably gonna gonna cover this, unfortunately. Uh not the biggest, not the best way for the Hermit. For the Hermometer to uh, finish the season, but you know he's going to have some momentum carrying with him in the next season, and uh, yeah, I think I do think Fresno State covers.
0: Uh, yeah, I do too. I, I agree. Like I don't want to say they have more to play for because I'm not in the minds of those players, but without Nikhil Harry and with the Bulldogs, they're 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 one of the top non-power five teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus McMarion, as I said before, I'm a huge fan of his, and he's a senior going out his last game, so I'm going to take the Bulldogs as well I know that that's not what we want as Pac-12 fans but uh I I, I would I would bet on Fresno State um yeah our we, next
1: one more note on Fresno State they, they led the Mountain West mm-hmm. in uh yards allowed on defense averaging only uh not only but th- 323 yards per game um so I think they're gonna just kind of put the clamp on uh on the Sun Devils and uh yeah and McMarion's gonna have a gonna have a lovely afternoon next game we got is the
0: Cheez-It Bowl Uh, which I didn't know about until recently, but that's being played in Phoenix, Arizona. That's Cal TCU, which is not exciting really to me on paper. The line is even, um, and I'm going to take the Cal bears just because this is a game. This to me is one of those is one of those bowl games that the PAC 12 needs to win to, to show that they're not a joke like TCU Six and six on the year coming out of the Big Twelve, uh, and you and I—I've been beating the drum of of you know the middle of the road SEC teams would struggle in the Pac twelve, the middle of the road Big Ten teams would struggle in the Big Twelve, or sorry, in the Pac twelve. I, I think the same thing about the Big Twelve, and for that to be proven true, uh, I really need Cal to handle the Horn Frogs down in the desert.
1: Uh, I think Cal, this is going to be a, a more defensive battle than some Pac twelve fans are used to. But I think TCU is uh, not that good this year. They have the name, you know, Gary Patterson at the head coach. You think TCU is a, oh, is a solid team? They are one of the better. I think they were the beat one of the best defensive teams in the Big Twelve, which is no easy feat. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they lost their starting quarterback to injury, Sean Robinson, uh, week seven, I believe. Uh, this is a team that lost to Kansas on a last-second play, albeit, but. Uh, Not that impressive to me uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Kavante Turpin was kicked off the team after some assault allegations came up uh, halfway through the season as well. So this is a team without a lot of its playmakers. Jalen Rieger is a star. He has been pretty much the only part of this offense since then. Uh, But, yeah, I I think Cal, I think Justin Wilcox is going to cap off his first season with a nice bowl win. And uh, get the fan base, uh, get the fan base excited, get him a good win over, over a solid Big 12 opponent.
0: Next game we have is the Alamo Bowl, number 24 Iowa State against number 13, Wazoo. Uh I don't need to go into a full rant about it, but I thought it was a shame that he too lost Washington State, uh finished ranked behind University of Florida, who has you have done a great job of pointing out throughout the season on Twitter, played two FCS teams this year. If you have three losses and you played two FCS teams, that should dis disqualify you from being in the top 10. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Wazoo finished right behind Penn state and Florida and was left out of a new year six, I really hope that they're able to get up for this game and cream the cyclones. Yeah. I,
1: the most Harper, all everything you said about Wazoo, I completely reflect, but what sucks to me is that we were just robbed of this game being a uh, Instead of Iowa State having West Virginia, which would have given us Garner Minshew versus Will Greer, uh, which would have been oh. absolutely over the top epic, I think. Bro. But uh, yeah, the over under on that. Oh, that would have been yeah, awesome. So we just missed out on that. Iowa State won the tiebreaker head to head against West Virginia for the third, uh, the third, third place in the Big Twelve. So that was unfortunate. But I think Wazoo's gonna. I don't, what's the line?
0: The line right now is Washington State. Three-half.
1: Yeah, I think Washington State's going to absolutely roll. Uh, Iowa state has its moments this season. Like I said, they did beat West Virginia, but I think Garner Minshew, it's unfortunate. He didn't get invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony. He did win the Johnny Unitas. He did win the Johnny Unitas golden arm award, which I think is huge. Uh, great for the program. Great for him. Uh, and I deal, I've been eating crow all season with him. I, I remember in our first episode, I said, when's the last time a grad transfer really came in and injected a program with so much hype and, you know, made them good and fun. And Wow. Garner Minshew has done everything. <laughs> everything that, that I said one, he would. That was do. the one wrong take. Of yeah, the year. that was your one bad take of the season. I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah, so this is gonna be his last game wearing uh what are they, crimson and gray? I guess crimson and white. Um, he's gonna. It's. I think it's gonna be an emotional game for him. He has had so much fun in Pullman. He's meant a lot to the program, and the program has meant so much even more to him. Uh, I think he's gonna show out. He's looking to go pro. This is his last chance. And, uh, I think, I think Washington state's going to absolutely cruise. Yeah. I just, the only thing I'm afraid of is like this
0: letdown of where they were, you know, Mm -hmm. one game away from maybe jumping into, uh, at least the conference title game, if not, uh, the cultural playoff. So I hope they don't have that letdown and it. I don't think they will. If they don't, they will absolutely cream Iowa state. This is a team that deserved to be playing in 2019, not 2018. And so I will take the Cougs there. Um,
1: I was saying Iowa State was second in the Big 12 and passing yards allowed, 228 yards per game. Uh, so I think some something's kind of got to give there. But I'm going to give the edge to uh, to Garner Minshew in the
0: Cougs. And then, yeah, me too, yeah. So then uh, next up we have um, New Year's Eve day. We have three oh, bowl games
1: starting on – Back to the Alamo real quick. I bet you we, we got to get a funny video or something of like Garner and Mike Leach on like one of the Alamo – uh, San Antonio yeah, like, Riverwalk boats or something like that, you know.
0: Totally, like at the Alamo or like I was gonna say drinking because when I went to the Alamo Bowl when Oregon State played Texas, like it, the big thing was you know like getting like sixty four ounce margaritas <laughs> on the Riverwalk. Obviously, they're not gonna show a shot of that, but I would love to see that. Or no, we're gonna get we're gonna get something yeah. good, and you know how is such a U.S. history buff, like we're gonna oh, yeah. get something, some some leechism about the Alamo yeah. or whatnot, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, that- That's one thing I would bet on for sure. Kook fans are going to travel well Mm -hmm. to that game too because Kook fans like to party. San Antonio is a party city. That'll be fun. Um, Okay, moving on to New Year's Eve. The first game, an 11 a.m. Pacific time kick. A game that like just almost drains me to even talk about uh, because it's so lackluster is Stanford versus Pitt in the Sun Bowl. The Cardinal,
1: six and a half point favorites. I think that line might be a little bit big. Pitt. What's weird to think about is that Pitt was the second best, technically the second best team in the ACC this year. Uh, yeah, and they lost to Clemson in the in the ACC championship game. Um, but Pitt had their moments. They played Notre Dame close. Uh, so to say they're a bad team wouldn't it be fair, or not a good team. I think Stanford. I don't know what what's what are we getting? Is Bryce Love going to play? Not that it matters. Um, yeah, Stanford's such an enigma. I'm like, who's like are yeah, what are we gonna get out of them? I, I don't know. I think I think David Shaw has been a little bit upset this season just by how his teams performed. Um I hope Stanford wins. I think they should win. Uh JJ Arciaga Whiteside is uh, you know, looking I think is he is he draft eligible? Let me check on that. I'm not positive about his draft status. Actually, this this is one of those things that I think he. This is one of his last chances. He's been, you know, renowned all season for kind of just coming down with these ridiculous jump balls um, that I I think, you know, people enjoy. That
0: yeah, he is. He'll be yeah, he'll be going to the NFL draft. So I I think I do like stand. Where is the Sun Bowl played? Like El Paso, dude. It's in it's in the armpit of America, El Paso, Texas.
1: It is a weird kick, 11 Pacific, but, you know, it's not like it's they're traveling the day before. They'll be there for a couple of days. They'll adjust to the time period. Stanford didn't play that many, like, day games, I feel like, this season. Yeah. But uh, I, I do like Stanford's chances in this one.
0: Yeah, I I do. Um, the only depressing thing is just, like, I think the stadium's going to be empty. Like, Stanford fans mm-hmm. already don't come to home games. Mm-hmm. I don't think Pitt is known as having a big football contingent um, so, and the Sun Bowl's already like the least desirable bowl location. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, pencil in a, an empty stadium and a Stanford win for me. Yeah, moving on then, uh, a 12 pm kick on Fox from Levi Stadium, the Red Box Bowl, another one I had to Google to double check where it was. Uh, Michigan State taking on the University of Oregon Ducks right now, Ducks two and a half point favorites. Um, this is a game. That the ducks, in my opinion, should win. The ducks were better than ASU this year, and ASU beat Michigan State. This is a this is a this is another one that I circle as like Pac-12 needs this one because because Michigan State was a you know a, a good Big Ten team, and the ducks were a good Pac-12 team, and so to really put our money where our mouth is, we need the ducks to handle business
1: here. I'd say this is a game of two teams that have green on their uniforms that underachieve substantially this season. Yeah, totally. Uh, Michigan State <clears throat> certainly had high hopes coming in the season preseason. I think they were ranked eleventh. Then they dropped one to ASU, uh, had a nice win against Penn State on the road. Uh, Penn State was ranked number eight at the time, but then they got clobbered by Michigan the next week. Uh, and they kind of closed out the season, limping, finished three and three. they got clobbered by Ohio State lost a field goal kicking match to Nebraska in Lincoln, and then they barely eked out a win over Rutgers. This was a team that had high expectations uh, still midseason to salvage it and get to a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, obviously didn't happen. So I think they're going to be under – I don't know. This team has had identity issues. They've kind of been flip-flopping their quarterbacks between uh, Rocky Lombardi and Brian Lewerke. <laughs> uh, so I don't know exactly if Michigan State has it. All the way in Levi, that's just a pop down the road. I think the Ducks fans are going to travel well for that. Um, I think the big question is going to be, is Justin Herbert actually going to go pro? There were swirls of him saying he wasn't going to go pro earlier this season, uh, around halfway point. So we'll see if those come to fruition. I don't think he is going to go pro personally. Yeah. um, But I think this is going to be a big win. Uh, What was the spread you said? The spread right now is Ducks by two and a half. Yeah, I think the Ducks cover that easy. And all the reports that I'm
0: reading are that Herbert is going to play. He's uncertain about going pro. So just the fact that he's going to play shows me that the Ducks should should really handle this one. I think they they should win easy. Uh, the Ducks are the worst team in the conference at closing out games. They should win, as we saw against Stanford, as we almost saw against Arizona State. Um, so I, think, I do think the Ducks win. And I'm a little more skeptical than you are about travel for this game, Brooks, just because Ducks fans have been spoiled over the last decade, you know, with mm-hmm. Rose Bowls, with, you know, trips to the national title. So I could, I could see just because of, um, you know, it, it, unless the Ducks fan wants to make uh, a Christmas Eve trip or sorry not Christmas Eve a New Year's Eve trip to the Bay Area and wants to make a thing out of it I could see I could see attendance numbers being a little low I hope that's not the case because this is a big game for the Pac 12 so we'll see but I I do think the Ducks should easily handle business against uh, a Michigan State team that was overrated throughout the year
1: yeah so well so here here's one stat that I think is going to be the the factor of the game so the last game the Ducks played was against Oregon State Oregon State had the second worst rushing defense in yards allowed in mm-hmm. the nation, allowing 281 mm-hmm. – sorry, 282 yards per game. Michigan State yes. leads the nation in rush defense, allowing 81 yards per game. So – What is what <laughs> I know. So clearly the tale of two different uh, events. I don't think they're – I don't think the yeah. Ducks are going to have two different running backs uh, go for 200 all-purpose yards. Dude. Uh, that's just not in the cards. Yeah. But that's certainly going to be a dynamic matchup to watch, seeing how – uh, how the Spartans match up against the Ducks uh, in the front of the <laughs> at the line of scrimmage. So certainly a compelling matchup, uh, but I, I do think Oregon takes care of business. All right,
0: next bowl game there on New Year's Eve. Northwestern number 22 in the country taking on number 17 Utah in the holiday bowl another one that I have circled as a must win for the Pac-12 because a drum I've certainly been beating all year is why the hell is Northwestern ranked when we've had teams like Arizona State unranked uh, in our own conference and just the fact that Northwestern to me is a very average team the youths should smoke them but but I could be wrong you know what I mean like the Pac-12 I'm you and I are, are Pac 12 homers. We've been beating the drum. The other, the haters are saying the Pac 12 sucks. And, and if they're, they might be right and we'll find out this bowl season, but it's Utah by six and a half. I'm going to take the Utes to cover that spread in San Diego. I think this is going to be a well-attended game. Um, what a fun, you know, what a great place to go for New Year's Eve, San Diego, get out of Salt Lake city, get out of freezing cold Chicago for the Northwestern fans uh, and, and get down to uh, uh, America's finest city for this game. Utes
1: cover yeah, the spread. This is uh this is an interesting one. Cause it's, it's kind of like Rose, Rose bowl light, Instead of the two Pac-12 championship, instead of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten champion going head to head, it's the Pac-12 and the Big Ten championship game losers. Uh, So two second place teams in their conferences going head to head, which I think is going to make for a compelling matchup. I think you're right, Al. Um, You know, you and I have (laughs) you drink every time you hear us say "beat the drum," but uh, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I need to find it um I need to find a like um i um, you know, I'll get you with a source for Christmas. Uh but I, I think Utah has certainly been under appreciated this season and what they've been able to do and how they've been able to finish their season after losing their starting quarterback and starting running back and still salvage the South and still play a close score wise uh Pac twelve championship game. I mean they were looking at it that way, they were a touchdown away from they were they were a touchdown away from going to the Rose bowl. So I think they're going to be angry. They're going to be hungry. Uh, Utah, they, they have never been to a Rose bowl. This is a chance for them to get back on the national, you know, watch list, if you will. Uh, Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald has a well-coached team. I don't, but I don't know if it's going to be, uh, enough. It's going to be a defensive battle. I think Utah's defense is going to be the difference maker here. Um, Utah is a top 15 yards allowed defense in the country. Northwestern doesn't really have what I would call dynamic playmakers on their team. They kind of always just all the games that I haven't watched too many of their games, but the ones that I have, won, they kind of just gritted it out and you know got got it done. Um, and again, that's well disciplined, coached uh, team in Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah, Northwestern f- finished the season. They averaged only 24 points a game, good enough for 107th in the country. Um, yeah, I, I think Utah's defense is going to shut them down, shut the door, and then uh, their uh, their backup quarterback and running back, whose names escape me at this very particular moment, are going to uh, are going to get get it done for the Utes.
0: Insert youth player here.
1: Insert insert insert, yeah. insert
0: Utah Ute here because that's what it's been for them all year. It's been plug and play, and they've been impressive. And our final game, uh, a game that I don't think anybody thinks the Pac-12 is going to win. Number nine Washington taking on number six Ohio State and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Right now, the Buckeyes only six and a half point favorites, but just from talking to fellow Pac-12 fans, fellow college football fans, like people are laughing at the Huskies' chances because of their offensive struggles against this Ohio State team. But what, what like a sweet cherry on top uh, of of Urban Meyer's career would it be for the Dogs to knock off the Buckeyes in this one?
1: I think this is, a, obviously, it's the biggest game that the Pac-12 is playing in this bowl season. And I think that it is the most important game, you could probably say, for quite some time. Um, you know, last year, SC laid a goose egg against Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, excuse me, the Cotton Bowl. But, I don't know, th- this is, this is going to be a weird one. Because now that Urban Meyer has announced his retirement, or we'll call it his departure from Ohio State, Uh, At the conclusion of this game, is it going to be an emotional game? Are the players going to be fired up? Are they going to be kind of meh about it? Are they going to be doing it for their new coach, Ryan Day, the offensive coordinator who's taken over, looking to prove that they belong. This is a team that has represented the Pac-12, kind of carried the torch since SC has not been there (laughs) as the marquee program in the conference the last several years, making the CFP playoff a couple years back and always being in a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, so what's, I don't know what it's a question of what Washington is going to show up. What I mean, Chris Peterson versus Urban Meyer is one heck of a matchup Two former two coaches that used to coach at Mountain West programs at the time, you know, Boise state and, and Utah when they were still there, Urban Meyer did coach at Utah for a couple of years. People forget that. Um, That's right. certainly maybe a little That's bit right. of rivalry between these two. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for this Rose bowl
0: no I am too I am too just from the fact that like we we just talk so much uh, not to uh, beat a dead horse. But uh, we talked so much about uh, perception. This is going to have a ton of eyeballs on it. And I could see it really going one of two ways. Ohio State's offense has looked incredible. Uh, We saw them hang 70 on Oregon State. Not that that means anything, but we saw them completely blow out Michigan. We saw them you know, put up numbers this year. And some people were thinking that they could make the leap into the top four. Thank God that the committee didn't do that. Uh, And Washington's got an elite defense, a really, really, really good defense uh, stacked with future first and second round NFL draft picks. So, you know, you're either going to see Washington. Yeah, like you said, it's just what Washington team is going to show up? What Jake Browning are we going to get? Because we can all, you know, we've watched him play. We've seen him regress, which is unfortunate. I don't know why. I'm not a QB expert. I don't know what's happening there, but he's certainly gotten worse. So what Washington team are we going to see? It's going to be, I think, hopefully a really great game, an epic Rose Bowl, and, and Chris Peterson, what a good job he's done of taking and turning around the Washington program that was down in the dumps since they were 0-12, I believe. Uh, I think that was early in the Jake Locker era. They've gone to you know so many different bowl games, college football playoff, uh, and they've become an elite power, like you said, filling the empty shoes of USC. So the Ohio State Buckeyes, six-and-a-half-point favorites. And against my better judgment, I'm going to take – uh, oh, Washington to cover that spread. I'm going to take Washington to maybe they lose, but I think they keep it close. I think they keep it uh, under a touchdown.
1: Um, yeah, I think it, it, it will be close. Last year, uh, Washington State, excuse me, Washington lost the, uh, I think it was the Fiesta Bowl to who'd they play in the Fiesta Bowl last year? Uh, Penn State. Close game. I feel like Washington has this, like we talked about in their first game against Auburn, they don't always show up on the big game, on the big stage. They kind of tend to fall flat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, they
0: didn't at the start of this.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, big game against Auburn who wound up being really not that great of a football team this year. Um, so like you said, and I think that kind of revolves around which version of Jake Browning are we going to see? Because clearly the defense can get it done. They have dynamic players on the defensive side of the ball and if they're going to be able to contain Dwayne Haskins or not. But it's just a question of it, if Ohio State can get it – excuse me, if Washington can get it done offensively. Because Ohio State has been exposed bad. They lost by 30 or something like that to Purdue. So I like to think that Washington has more capable playmakers than Purdue and that they could get exposed. Uh, excuse me, that Ohio, they can expose Ohio State. But I don't – it's just a question of which – Again, the the fact that they haven't been able to show up on this national stage at this level is somewhat concerning for me. But something does have to give eventually. Um, This is going to be, you know, the story is going to be Urban Meyer and his legacy and how this, you know, how he leaves Ohio State behind. But I, it pains me to say, I don't think Washington is going to win this game. I think, I mean, last year Ohio State, they, uh, well, last year Auburn got left out of the playoff. And they laid an egg against UCF in their bowl game. So is Ohio State gonna be mad or like you said, are they gonna have like the letdown hangover?
0: Totally. Yeah, no, we'll see. I I think this is and this is like I'll say it one more time for the people up in the top row, but you know, this game, the Pac twelve needs to win games like this and people I'm talking to, you know, big Pac-Twelve fans who are laughing at the Huskies' chances. And I really want Chris Peterson to prove them wrong because if the Huskies win this game, if University of Washington wins this game against Ohio State, what that does for Pac-12 perception is is just is huge because all season long when the Pac-12 has struggle, struggled, we've heard people bring up last year's dismal bowl record for the Pac-12. Like that sticks with you. So if the Pac-12 can get some of these signature wins like Rose Bowl, like the Holiday Bowl, Utah over Northwestern, Oregon over Michigan State, wins against... I mean, those are all three games against Big Ten opponents, and and the SEC will remain in the upper echelon in terms of conference perception. But I believe, and I think you believe, the Pac-12 should be above the Big 12 and should be above the Big Ten, and wins like that are what need to happen to prove us right, or at least to help the conference's perception.
1: I, I wouldn't say that this is a game where, you know... The Pac-12 could lose every comp, every bowl game, but win this game, and it would be okay. I don't think that's true at all. I think there's other important games that you know the Pac-12 need to win. But this is easily like I mean, like we've said a thousand times already. This is the most important. This is the most important bowl game that they'll play because there's so many people that were saying oh, Ohio State got left out, blah blah blah. But if Washington beats them, it's like well maybe the Pac-12 does belong, you know. So it's just something. There's going to be a lot of storylines. We should – I feel like we should maybe have one more pod before the Rose Bowl just to – I don't know, just to – maybe we can brush. Oh, so definitely. Let's in. a little bit more in-depth in in on, on this game because there's a lot I do want to talk about. Um, but for the sake of time, um, I, I, I don't think Washington wins this game, but I do think they cover.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's – at least that's the bet I'd be willing to make. So, yeah, let's uh... – Let's definitely get another pod in before the end of the year, maybe after we've gotten like the Cheese It Bowl and the Vegas Bowl under our belt, and then we could kinda, yeah. you know, um check in on things, check in yeah, on the I've status been... of the conference.
1: I'm I'm into that.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. Well, you've got our bowl predictions. Um, you've got our disappointment over Larry Scott and Gardner Minshew not getting invited to the Heisman ceremony. You've got our excitement about Cliff Kingsbury, and I'd say that's a good pod.
1: Yeah, I mean, we hit—we had our little rundown, our bullet points. So we hit on everything we want to talk about. Um, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of all the news that's really happened in the Pac-12 the last uh, last week or so, except for um, Colorado head coach uh, still vacant. Georgia defensive coordinator, his swirling, his name was Swirling, and rumors for the job, but nothing official yet. So we'll see.
0: Totally, yeah. Okay, well, um, we'll get we'll get another pod in, and Brooks, let's get you on my other podcast next week to talk more college football and just do a fat bowl rundown.
1: Yeah, no, that oh, we'll, we'll we'll work on that and uh, see if we can't make that happen.
0: Okay, awesome, dude. Well. For Brooks Clark, uh, for Alex Crawford, myself, and no guest this week, which was, you know, back to the old school days. Uh, you've been packing heat.